Welcome to Closers Over Coffee. I'm your host, Tommy Jacobs. We are podcasting worldwide from WPWK Studios at the Klipsch headquarters in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm -hmm. The purpose and goal of the podcast is to create an open dialogue with professionals and leaders from all all walks of life. Uh, You know, we've been doing this. This is our sixth episode. So welcome. This is episode number six. The first five were really uh, meeting with some some great leaders and having some great conversations and dialogue. We we decided, you know, we haven't been on in a in a couple months, and really just wanted to step back uh, more roundtable uh, conversations, more uh, real relative conversations, and and really just uh, you know dive into those topics. I've got a couple uh, people with me today. Uh, that are helping me, that have helped me from the very beginning. Uh, they're going to be a part of this, and I really want to introduce them. I uh, want, want all, of, uh, all of you to get to know them like I know them. Uh, the first person I'm going to introduce you to is uh, a gentleman that is just a, an amazing guy. I've got to work with him for a lot of years. Uh, he has just got a, a creative mind like no one I've ever met, and he's, he's a musician. He does it all, and... Uh, Matt Summers. Matt Summers. Hey, Tommy. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, In my day job, when I have on my Superman suit, I am uh, the uh, creative director for uh, for, uh, Klipsch and Premium Audio Company. Thank you so much for having me here, and I'm glad to be here. You know, Matt's a great guy. I'll tell you, he looks the exact same as decades ago. Unlike me, I've (laughs) lost all my hair. I've got gray going out. I'm trying to grow a beard out that really needs cut because it's completely looking disgusting. So Matt just looks great. He looks like he did 20 years well, there's ago. There's some gray I'm, in there. I got some gray going here. And if I let the hair grow out, you'll see it for sure. Yeah. I, I had to I cut like, the ponytail. I, I like what's going on here. And by the <laughs> way, you're, you know, you are uh, getting ready to launch uh, another album. Is that right? It's a, it's a yes. bigger than just an album, right? It is bigger. It's a double album. And uh, yeah, thanks for the, thanks for the shout out. I'm, I'm working with a great friend of mine. His name's Bob Sander. Um, he is a music, a music historian and a storyteller. And so we're doing an Americana double album. And, and the, the best part about it, in my opinion, is that we were able to probably play every instrument that we own on this thing. I mean, I'm playing jaw harp and a little bit of flute and, uh, wow. you know, hammered dulcimer and organ and of course, guitar and drums and all those things. But we're having a great time. I'll, uh, I'll uh, shoot, maybe shoot a link in the bio here somewhere so people can check it out when wow, it's out. I think you should. I, I can't wait to check it out. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, I want to introduce uh, the other gentleman that's joining us who uh, kind of uh, inspired me a bit. He's he's kind of been uh, a guy that's done a little bit of everything. And he's ran his own podcast, by the way. I'm, uh, You know, I, it's amazing as we set back. Uh, he gives me some analytics and to see the the number of people that are that are listening, that are that are really following this podcast. Uh, and it's growing. Uh, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting when you start talking about thousands of people, you know, listening in and and it started in the low hundreds and then it gets to that kind of number is really exciting and people from all over are listening. And uh, Andrew Griswold, he is uh, our FNG still. I still, although we've hired other people <laughs> since then, he's the FNG on this one because I've got Matt well over 20 years. I'm 15 years and he's just celebrated a, a year with us. Uh, and it's been a, a joy of mine. I, I have gotten to, to know Andrew. Uh, and uh, welcome, Andrew. Thanks for being a part of it. And tell me a little bit about you. Thank you, guys. It's, I mean, it's a pleasure to work with you guys and get to know everybody the last year. Um, didn't know exactly getting into the, the industry what I was, you know, what to expect. And 
what all goes into it, but uh, it's been an absolute blast and getting to know you guys. So it's been fun being a designer on the creative team and kind of helped you guys out and bring my expertise from the last, you know, 12, 15 years of working. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. It, it, the funny thing about Andrew is uh, I learned something about him recently. So I've been really hyping up a new game I've taken on. You know, I've, I've played basketball, I've played golf, I've played sports all of you have heard before. I've got in recently to pickleball. Uh, by the way, he sent me a, a text over the weekend showing me that he has pickleball courts in his neighborhood now. So I probably <laughs> will take him up on that. It's yeah. hard to find pickleball courts anywhere. But he's into a sport that I think Maddie introduced us to recently, Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, what's that about? Man, I can't, did you guys Google it or see that video I sent oh, you this weekend? I, I'm shy. I, I got to tell you, I had no idea. I had no idea. It looks somewhat brutal. Like you, you could, you could actually, you could, you could pull a ligament doing this. I'm concerned that he's playing it right now. And I was all in until I saw the physicality and, and how hard these people are playing at the uh, ultimate Frisbee game. Oh, it's a blast, man. I've been playing for, gosh, let's see, 2002, 2003, whenever I was like seventh or eighth grade, I was running cross country and it was, it was a, it was an old, it was like a game we could play on like the fun day of cross country. We would just, uh, it's like a seven on seven, you know, try to move the disc forward and toss it. And, uh, it's, it's just a wild game that I kind of got into. And then it wasn't until we had a small team in high school that played, you know, local teams in the area, which was super rare at the time because nobody played this game, uh, 15 years ago. But, uh, yeah, it's grown into this massive thing slowly, but surely it's catching fire on ESPN and, um, different sports networks are picking it up and DraftKings became a big sponsor this year for like their our pro team in town. Um, so it was kind of a, it's been a, a wild ride to kind of see it explode. I got it more into the competitive side, like league and summer, you know, uh, tournaments and stuff like that in over the last five, six years. So it's been it's been nuts. So it's, it's funny to see people react to it. That's the best part. <laughs> I, I think that I'm going to let you keep doing that. And I may be a fan from afar. I said I would possibly play, but after doing some more research and video watching, <laughs> what I see is injuries. Yeah. I see injuries. Now I do play basketball and that does worry me, but that looks like a whole nother level of this ultimate Frisbee. It, it looks like something that I'm surprised that you're playing and it's awesome. And I love that you have passion for it, but you're still going to try pickleball. I am going to get oh, you. Absolutely. Play pickleball. <laughs> so I'm going to move. We, we've got a segment. Uh, we started at the very beginning uh, on my mind segment. And, and what this is about is as some of you know me uh, and some of you don't, some of you have just joined and listen, and I'm sure hopefully enjoying the, the content that is important to us, which is positivity, opportunity. Uh, I didn't really go deep into to me. And I, I wanted in this segment that's on my mind is I guess I should share a little bit about me and who I am, I guess. Matt, do you think that's yeah. a good idea? I think it's a great idea just to have a little bit of background and to kind of know where you're coming from. Because I think a lot of questions, especially with today's topic, will come out of this. Yeah, I, I thank you. And I and I, I agree with you. And so, you know, I came, I, I was born and raised in, in Indianapolis, Indiana, right where I'm at now. I moved all around, though. I lived on the west side, the northwest side, the south side. Um, and uh, I reside now on the north side of India, a town called Carmel, Indiana. Um, but, I, you know, I really kind of grew up, uh, started uh, when I was born. Uh, we lived in a trailer on the west side. Um, and, and I think that uh, it's funny because 
there's things that I remember when I was young, not very many, but a few, mm-hmm. a few. And I remember the trailer, I think more than our first house and more than our second house that we built. I think um, there was just a lot of memories in there. And I think it helps when you start from that point and you're growing and I was around, you know, my father, all of you got to, to meet in episode one, started really with nothing, not a whole lot. And he had aspirations to grow. And hmm. I think that some of where I got my energy and and my want to grow to the level that I have and where I want to go from here is from that and watching that growth mm. and setting goals and watching that come to fruition. And some of that was difficult though, because when I was growing up, he, my father wasn't around a lot. I really, you know, my mom was, was kind of the, the rock, the foundation of, of kind of who I was growing up uh, and, uh, you know, really enjoyed the journey though of where I'm at now looking back and that, and understanding more why he wasn't around, but understanding the drive and where he was trying to go and what he was trying to accomplish for the family. And I think that today, as I look at it, I think I get a lot of that from watching those different moves and coming from that type. Yeah. I'm going to interject. I was also born in a trailer park, Billy Bob's yeah. trailer park in uh, Kokomo, Indiana, if you can believe really? that. And uh, I do have memories just like you do of that very early time. I think it was because it was such a unique structure to grow up in, in yes. the space. And then also you're very impressionable. So you're imprinting. Yeah. And it's funny. I, th- those are moments I, 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 and it's funny. I'll talk to them. I mean, I, I think that, that, you you learn so much at such a young age, and I've got Charles now, who's 22 months old, uh, literally going to. He's had two weeks of swimming classes the last <laughs> two weeks. He starts school two days a week next week for four hours each day. Um, he's starting to to learn a lot more words. He's starting to understand how to ask, and just watching the mold of him and cool. what we're trying to do. And since he was six months, we've had him in music class. And he now, when he wakes up in the mornings, every morning, he comes up to me and we play songs that he asked for. Oh, fantastic. He's loving to dance. He's learning the two-step. He knows when to do the two-step when we ask him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's just amazing, you know. And I just go back to the the things that kind of I remember. And, you know, I went from there. I You know, I went to, to grade school in Speedway, Indiana, right by the track. Wow. Um, I, I went to Br- uh, Brownsburg uh, Junior High, which is – uh, just on the west side of Indianapolis, uh, went to high school uh, really close to Speedway in downtown area uh, at Cardinal Ritter High School, which hopefully a few of you are listening today. Uh, really enjoyed that. And what was your mascot? Just out of curiosity. We were the Raiders. The we Raiders. were the Raiders. Cardinal and, Ritter and Raiders. It's funny you ask that because guess who his junior and senior year decided to put the mascot outfit on and go out there <laughs> and support. I, I was soccer basketball, golf, uh, wished uh, I could have played football, but soccer was my first uh, love there. So I did support the team and everyone, and I would go to the games in the mascot and uh, wow. was the large Raider that was out there for my last year. Is that so, like a giant head Raider? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was amazing. all dressed up. It was, it was, I may pull <laughs> pictures out at some point and share if I can find them. But, you know, that's, kind of me though, I guess in a nutshell is, 
is is Jill Eskel, who who works with me on an everyday basis. LTL, larger than life. Matt, you've gotten to know. I think how big can we make it? Nothing's ever too big. Uh, the experience is what you make it. People think too small. I like to think big. I always have. Mm-hmm. I always will. I I believe we never maximize the full potential and opportunity. And so that's an example, I guess, of let's put the big Raider head on and let's go out and let's get the, the crowd fired up. Let's support our team, our teammates. And I feel like today that there's a lot of that that, that I try to continue to do and be a part of. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. And I, so from there, I, I, I went to IUPUI, uh, play basketball. Um, I, um, a guy by the name of coach Eddie Farrick, uh, recruited me to play ball, decided that wasn't ideally maybe what I wanted to do. I think it was a, a thought, a, a something that, Hmm. yeah, that's what I should do. Um, let's be an NBA player, you know, let's go do all that. And I think you quickly realize, that maybe that's not it for you. And I met a guy I helped open uh, while I was at IEPUI. I, I helped open up the Borders bookstore that opened in Greenwood, Indiana. So you're working at a bookstore while you're going to college. Yeah. And by going through going to college, you had done sports up until then. You were mentioning all the different sports you had done. So you were playing basketball. Did you leave the team in order to go work at Borders or were you doing both at doing the same time? Doing both. I was doing both. Um, you know, if it, I, I think what's interesting is – when I was in high school playing three sports, I helped open a Mike's car wash at the time. It was called Mike's car wash. It's a little regional car wash. They been around forever today. They're called like crew wash. They split up. They were out of Fort Wayne, but they opened one up in the South side of Indy. And I, I, I worked there and I saved my money. I bought my first car a 1981 Chrysler E class. It was a blue, <laughs> dark blue with a light blue stripe around it. Nice. There was no separation, though, so it was a big blue comfy couch in the back and a big blue comfy (laughs) couch in the front, and it had a huge trunk. I think with JMV in the third or fourth episode of this, we talked about stereo systems, and, of course, I put the big pile driver in the back, and I bounced around town. The pile driver. I forgot about that. it, it 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 was the big blue comfy couch, but... I bought it and it was under a thousand dollars and it was my own money. And ever since then, I've always worked and never borrowed, never asked my parents for that money. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to earn it, you know? And I think I worked while I went to school. I worked when I played three sports, I worked after, and I was going to college and trying to play basketball and I helped open borders. I was working three days a week. I was running periodicals and I was learning to be a barista. Wow. And I met a guy named Gary Nelson who owned a company called Golf Tour and Travels where he brought large corporations that wanted to either take their employees or their customers to any of the top courses in America. And they got their three with a pro and maybe they had a couple foursomes and the pro helped guide them, give them lessons, tips, and they played with them. And he was a guy that introduced me to my real first career, which was uh, the golf business. And I met Ron West, who ran RH West Management. He had multiple courses. He owned a few. He managed a few. And the city course he managed was Winding River Golf Course. And uh, that's where I started under a Class A pro. Uh, Did some work with uh, the PGA University, which was out Port St. Lucie, Florida, to become a Class A golf professional. Uh, that was uh, turned into a dream uh, that I was working for. 
And then I moved to another golf course, became their head golf pro director of golf down the street at Buffer Park. Wow. Uh, which is a, you know, a nine hole golf course that was rated a top nine hole course in the Midwest. And, um, it was really an amazing experience. I did that for five and a half years and I loved every bit of it. A stressful day. You just walked out your back desk. It was a beautiful, you know, porch setting that overlooked the, the ninth green and watch people drive up and hit golf balls. And so how bad could it really be? It was, you know, you're in the worst day. The stressful part is how many rounds can I get through here? How many yeah. leagues can I sign up and how much can I sell in the shop? And we did some amazing things. And I think it was always creative. Um, if you think about it, I look back at some of the things we did and we were so creative and above our time. I and mean, we're talking about before internet was real internet. We found ways to sell lots of product, have lots of fun. Um, and, and, you know, I think I started working here. I got uh, offered a job here at Klipsch uh, to, to run, you know, to, to do some inside sales uh, and to take over a territory from Chicago to Montana. And the funny thing is, is really, Paul, my father, we never talked nor really wanted this wasn't my path. He saw what I was doing. Right. He wasn't was driving great. you to get into this business. And not at all. And I yeah. don't think he ever really wanted me to. And I think that uh, a gentleman by the name of Dave Kelly, he um, he really, uh, he he saw something in me. He, he, he wanted me to come sell for him. And I took him up on an opportunity. And I'm grateful to this day of that opportunity because I'm sitting here today on a podcast with all of you listening. <laughs> and now I'm running all sales and marketing for the Americas for PAC. Uh, I've got a couple other things I do on the side and I'm having more fun than I've ever had. And I can tell you that with all the challenges that are happening out there and I'm going to talk and we're going to talk about them. There has never been a bigger opportunity for all of you listening than where we're sitting right now. And I see it. And I see it like I've never seen it before. And I think that this this next few minutes, <clears throat> I'm going to try to really list out where I see this opportunity and what I think all of you should be looking at. And And I think that today we're going to talk about challenges. Fantastic. I think that's a great topic, challenges. And there's so many different ones. I want to go back to a, something that you said. And you said this to me, no less than five times in the time that I've known you. Um, you've talked about going through the, starting the career, the real career in golf and, um, and then moving into the sales side of things. Um, but I know from, from things that you have said in the past, you know, my feeling towards the golf is it's, it's very much like, um, uh, smoking a cigar. You're, you're devoting the time and the interest to that relationship and your attention for a specific amount of time. And I'm going to be here for as long as it takes to get through these 18 holes or as long as it takes to smoke this cigar or whatever. And yeah. we're doing this together. But, uh, but the, the point that I was going to make was that you um, have mentioned several times that both of those professions are about relationships and in even in the challenges of the relationships, whether some, you know, you're trying to convince somebody to see your point of view or your side, or you're trying to get through a game together, or you're trying to educate them as a pro in that space, there's always a challenge in there. But that relationship is, is really the key to both of those uh, careers. Thousand percent. I think that the trust, you know, relationships foundation is trust. And I think that 
you know, after two years, I started giving lessons. I got uh, approved and, and authorized to be given lessons. So two days a week, I was given lessons most of the day. And uh, although it was a great cash flow uh, for me personally, I think what it did for me more is, um, I don't know, I, I, I tend to be an extrovert, but there's a little bit of introvert. I mean, I think it really, um, it taught me that relationships are really everything. And I think that what I took away from it and what I see today is the relationship is the foundation of whatever you're building. Hmm. And, and, and I think, um, you're, you're earning people's trust and, and golf people were coming to me cause they wanted to either learn the game, uh, never picked up a club. It would be that, uh, elementary or wow. they may be a very great, a good golfer, trying to become great. Mm. And, and my job was to get their trust and earn their trust to teach them and help them grow. And, and that was the biggest satisfaction of everything I did with the golf business. It was great to get 40,000 plus rounds at winding river. And it was great to help grow a million dollar plus pro ship at a nine hole course that was closed on Sundays and didn't serve alcohol. And it was great to accomplish all of those things. But the greatest accomplishment was watching someone that that was looking to learn the game, watch them from learning a grip of a club mm -hmm. to learning how to swing the club. And then I would see them come out playing 18 holes with friends and come in and, and have their best score or have their best time. With some confidence. With confidence. Yeah. And, and that was, and I feel like in sales, if it's electronics, if it's vacuum cleaners, bikes, whatever you're selling, I, I think that, Everyone wants romanced a bit and they want to trust whoever their their person is that they're putting their trust in to teach them whatever business or whatever game or whatever it is. And I think that we lose sight of that in sales sometimes. I think we take for granted mm -hmm. the opportunity that we get maybe because something may be hot or something may be easy. I think that keeping close and keep in mind that that trust and that foundation that relationship is going to drive you the rest of your career. And it could be with multiple different companies. It could be in different ways. And the world is small. And I, a lot of people say the industry is small. The world is small. Yeah, right. And you may see these people and they can impact your life in lots of other areas. And I, I think that that's really the golf business. What it did for me was really help me build how to build relationships, how to wow. understand and build foundations of trust, and, and then to take that to the next level. And that's to build businesses, that's to build, uh, you know, opportunity after opportunity. And I don't take that for granted. And I really, really uh, believe that that is the foundation of all of it is that relationship and the trust and everything else is the fruit of that. Wow. Wow. Well, then if we want to get back to our our, our goal or our, our topic today of, of challenges, um, you know, where we are today in the sales world, um, you know, with premium audio company, um, it's very challenging. Um, and I know that there are, there are issues. We've got a, a global pandemic happening. We've got uh, shipment logistics nightmares <laughs> out the wazoo. Um, it's hard to get product. It's hard to get product where it belongs. It's hard to get stuff made. Um, you know, maybe you guys can talk a little bit about that, kind of where we are today. Yeah, I look, I'm, and it's funny because it's every industry. I was on the call recently with a with a bike company. I was on the, a call recently 
uh, with uh, the food industry. And I, I was on, I've been on these calls and, and I've been on the calls with people that are in our business and it's a difficult time and it's no one's fault. It's funny. I think it's easy to point fingers, especially yeah. if you look inside your company, wherever you guys are working and it's easy to point at your logistics team and say, it's your fault. Um, you know, we're sitting on, and I got back orders like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, I think I've got, I don't know, 40 plus million dollars of back orders. Wow. And I'm talking to, I talked to a company last night, they're sitting on four or 5 million of back orders and they're a smaller company, but for them, that it's about half their business. And wow. I'm, I'm talking to, you know, people looking for parts they are sitting and there's no, like, there's not this light at the end of the tunnel. So what you're having to do now, and I think this is what's great because when everything's going as smooth as possible and the money's coming in and you're smiling and you're high five and, you know, you're celebrating all that. But this is where you really make your money. Right now, mm -hmm. when you have to dig and pivot and find ways to do things differently, to change, uh, is the most challenging because it's easy to just do what you've always done. And right now you have to think about it. And you're playing three-dimensional chess. And you're working across the aisle with people maybe that are competitors or other businesses how, how are you doing it? You're asking questions, you're diving in and you're, you're going to figure it out because you have people depending on you. They've got businesses, budgets, they got expectations of your, remember I talked about relationships, yeah. your relationship service, because they need you, you need them and you've got to find ways to get it done. And I think to me, that's the excitement. I'm on more calls now about logistics than I am about sales. Sales is not the problem. The demand is, is it's a pinup demand around the mm -hmm. world. Uh, and, and it's, it's across all businesses right now. And, you know, I think to me, I'm having fun because I'm learning more about logistics. I'm learning terminology oh, sure. that I've yeah. never even been a part of. And I'm learning, uh, you know, what ports and this port and that port and, and, you know, you've got to get strategic, um, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's exciting times. It's frustrating it's challenging. You're raising prices because it's expensive. Um, and it's hard for a sales team to take that on. And I don't underestimate how my team is handling all of that. But I also think everyone is having to do this. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have done a good job of navigating. I think we can do better. I think we should challenge each other to do better every day. I like a, a phrase I hear, let's, do, let's be 1% better tomorrow and let's be 1% better the next day. And every day we're a little bit better, I think the results will be better. And that's my thoughts. And I love that idea of the, you know, you said uh, something earlier in this conversation, which was, you know, that, that you had to get real creative at the very beginning um, uh, when you were working at, uh, at the golf course, um, real creative on how, how to make things work, how to, how to, how to sell stuff, how to move stuff. And I think right now when all playing fields are level, um, when the, in the logistics industry, everybody's having trouble. Um, it's almost like those that are the most creative with their solutions can win are the winners, the people who are figuring some stuff out. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll tell you this too. I think that if I look at the landscape across the board in all industries, there's going to be winners and losers. And I think right now the opportunity is, is we have to be closer to our partners than we've ever been. The communication has to be at the highest level. Right. 
And what I see is there's some people out there that are diving in deep and they want to figure out how they can help and how they can be a part and how they can be closer to us. And there's others that I see more on the sidelines and they're waiting and they want us to kind of carry the ball. And I think, and I, and I'm hearing this, by the way, I, I told you all these other companies and businesses and, and industries, home improvement. I've been talking to a couple of very large companies there. I'm, I'm, I'm listening and talk. I had a great call, uh, with Best Buy yesterday, um, you know, everyone's, everybody is fighting and, and, and trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, uh, we just have to be closer and communicate more often. And I think we have to want to do things that are maybe not as comfortable, but I think if we can communicate at a higher level, get more strategic and start planning the business out even longer, because now parts are 12 months out when you were buying it, you know, three to six months out and you have to just get to that level. And it's not just this business, it's all businesses. And I think what it's doing is it's making us put better, better process and planning in place for sure. And I think that that's how we have to operate this and, Look at look at the housing market right now. So that, I was reading a, a report yesterday, and it's talking about how hot this this business is in, in the real, in the real estate side. Houses are barely staying on the market. Yeah, people are flooding out of certain areas. I saw that Colorado, East Colorado Springs is the number one place uh, uh, real estate right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I saw number ten was uh, Franklin Nash, uh, just outside of Nashville, oh, Tennessee. Right. Franklin's That's number blown 10. up. Yeah, so it's amazing that these people are, and it's it's hot everywhere. But these are some interesting statistics I saw, and it's not slowing down. I mean, property properties are about double of what they were a year ago. I mean, it's it's just an amazing time. Supply and demand is very difficult, uh, but you know. The other thing that's going to happen is there will be a slowdown at some point. The pinup doesn't stay, and whoever's the most creative, whoever's the most thoughtful through this, whoever's the most strategic with all of their customers, communicating at a high level is who's going to win on all sides in any industry. And that's where that's where I see that you have to be is, is the communication level has to be stepped up tenfold. Well, and I think since yeah, I, I agree 100%, and I got a question for Andrew here, um, but a, a statement I wanted to make was that I think since the pandemic and since the logistic sort of nightmare that has happened since then, um, but also, you know, a lot of challenges just in creating product and getting product made and getting it um, produced yeah. and, and, and everything from, you know, you know, do you have the right employees for the new world? Do you have, you know, enough employees for the new world? All of those questions that, that get asked, what I keep going back to is that the solution for a lot of these challenges, and we got to get our head around this, is not a Band-Aid. It's a paradigm shift on a lot of different levels, and logistics is one of it. Um, Andrew, can you talk a little bit about how the challenges of, um, say, in your industry um, from uh, just simple product photo shoots? How have those changed over COVID? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I um, I took a, a, an interesting take into photography because I got into you know, I went to school for design and advertising and I got into the advertising, you know, marketing world for my career. And one of the the weirdest things was I got into photography because I wasn't finding the photos I wanted for whatever I was doing, or I could go and create the shot that I wanted exactly to kind of use it in my designs. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of got me into photography. I never expected it to turn into this like, you know, small business um, on the side. And I think one of the biggest things that I kind of Instagram grew at the same time. 
um, and me using it as a tool to kind of get into, you know, uh, different markets and working with different companies. And uh, that, I think, kind of turned my brain in a completely different way than a traditional photographer's path in that I worked with companies and I never saw any of them. I never, it was all digital transactions. I talked on the phone or it was email or DMs on Instagram. No face to face though. Yeah. It was very rarely face to face unless I did like a shoot somewhere. And so I think that prepped me for the last couple of years and the whole pandemic and, um, building this business from the side and, um, kind of getting all these clientels and it, it was hard. It was, you know, cold calls and emails and stuff like that. And, um, one of the funniest ones was a shoe company. They sent me a pair of shoes for free, um, for a post on Instagram. I was like, this is awesome. This is like six, seven years ago. <laughs> That's and the so barter like, system happening. Like, man. Yeah. And so it was funny that like, I was like, this is how it kind of worked. And that's how it kind of started. But, uh, the funny thing is it was a free pair of shoes. They were a small brand kind of coming up. They were owned by a mother conglomerate, a larger company. And, uh, it turned into me shooting because I did so well with the one pair they sent me like a coffin size box of shoes of all different <laughs> sizes and types. And so I ended up shooting their fall, spring and summer lines for like a year and a half or a year or whatever. Never um, actually they, meeting a single one. Yeah, of them. Never met a single person. But what was funny about that is like, I don't think they realized how small time I was, but I think they're still using some of my photos to this day from, you know, five, six years ago. Um, but that turned into just massive, like some of my largest freelance jobs was from that, you know, shooting those spring catalog, you know, product photos. And what's funny about it is my commutes were long. And so I took that giant box and put it in my trunk and I would just drive on my commute, stop on the side of the road somewhere, take them out, shoot them on the side of a brick wall <laughs> or a side. so it turned into that's this creativity. All these, that's creativity yeah. right there. But it's funny that that was what my freelance career kind of started with the photos. And, uh, it's, it's just adapted. I think the digital world is so much different now than it was traditionally. And I've worked with a lot of older photographers that are traditional in studio networking, you know, in person going to events. And mine was totally different in that experience or that realm. And I think that's how a lot of companies are working with, you know, social influencers and uh, people to kind of pitch their product on the you know digital side. One thing I would add on top of that in my world is that, you know, before the pandemic, um, we would do these massive photo shoots where we would rent a house um, or a location and and bring in our own furniture and get a big U-Haul full of speakers, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and everything that would go in it, rugs, uh, you know, the couches, the TVs, everything that needed to happen in that in that shot. Plus, you've got lighting guys, you've got, you know, uh, electrical guys and then the uh, director of photography and everybody's there on set with, uh, you know, in this closely, uh, confined space. And so after when COVID hit, um, what we realized was we couldn't do that anymore. Not only could we not, um, you know, rent out these spaces and then just take them over for a day or whatever, but also we couldn't put 20 people, 15, 20 people in a small room looking over a, you know, a tabletop setup. Um, it just wasn't going to be possible. So we reached out internally creatively to our industrial design department who had been doing renders of new product designs for years. They've been doing that kind of work for us. And so we said, can you get, can we get this good enough, this evolved enough so that it's a convincing picture? So we could 
get a get a get a, an image of, of, of a shot taken and then put our products into those uh, shots and not only has that saved us time and effort and eased everyone's fears about trying to get photography for for the products but it's also pushed up our schedule so people can actually see these products before they're ever made they can see them in a real world environment it's just not floating in a white space or on a uh, you know a naked background they're actually sitting in some an aspirational living room or a, uh, an office where you'd want to work you got, first of all, I got to go back for a second. Andrew, you are big time. So I don't know why you downplayed uh, how big you really are. So you are big time. They realized it. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm trying to get a little merchandise. I've got some coffee cups that, that have been a big hit. Uh, I've got more of those coming. And I'm working on the hats. Uh, Andrew, you've, you've helped build this logo that I think is very cool. So we're going to. We're going to expand the accessories of this podcast. Oh, shoot. Um, and I, now i got to figure out how we get some Summers and Griswold added to this logo. <laughs> and we may have to grow this uh, so to something I'm much gonna bigger. I'm going to guess Matt hasn't sent you the uh, designs I made randomly the other night. I, I want to see him because I think that it's growing. <laughs> and I think you may have to drive around with this. And maybe I think as we uh, introduce some of these podcasts, maybe we should give away some mugs and some hats and have some fun with our guests when we throw these out socially. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, absolutely. But but I think that, uh, Matt, it's awesome because you did what others didn't do. So you saw the what was happening and the limitations that were coming. And why I like to say this, some people were, you know, zigging and all kind of in the corner. You zagged and found a way to still get the job done in a very creative way and that has allowed us to move forward, I would say, faster than others. Yeah, and I, I got a kudos to the whole team for that because really um, it took the team kind of pulling together and saying, what is the best solution for this? Instead of one person driving that with the team of people, it became five separate components. Somebody's retouching that those those images into the photos. Somebody's doing the renders. Uh, you know, somebody's choosing the original photos, all that, that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's become more team building and more relationship building through that exercise as before it was more of a, let's get this, this thing set up and get it shot and get the photos edited or whatever. This is a, a more collaborative process too. So it also goes quicker because everybody's sharing the, the, the load. Yeah. And I think so, the detail, the attention to detail is much higher too when we do this because we're looking at every single, we're building all these aspects for the images we're using now whether it's the room, the desk, the table, the couch, the chairs, we're looking at all of it rather than just looking for a standard kind of room setup. And I think that's one big detail that we've kind of kind of looked at a little bit more, at least from my perspective, is just looking at everything in the room and making it tailor-made and having those guys render out product because the industry's changed so much in 10 plus years. Yeah, um, for we used sure. to have to piece it all together from stock images and it was a nightmare and trying to add shadows and use, I did food industry for you know five years. And so, putting, you know, strawberries and blueberries on a plate and the plate's not part of the same image and the blueberries came from one image and this and all like playing with lighting. <laughs> and now we can do all that in post and it's just unreal. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally dating myself, but uh, we used to do product photography before we had computers and you do all of your edits in the dark room, you dodge and burn and, oh, this area needs to be a little darker. And you, we had a little dark room in, in our, uh, in our offices when I first started working for Klipsch. Pre-computer. He is aging himself. I am aging myself. That gray's coming out. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, and and by the way, I mean, with, I hate to bring the word up, but with COVID, 
that, that is not leaving us anytime soon. These things are going to be important to carry forward. And maybe, I hate to say it, that may be the new norm of what we need to do because of, you know, we say this is what's happening now with COVID. We don't know where all this goes. And I think that mm-hmm. we've just got to be ready and prepared for that. And unfortunately, I think this may be our new normal. Well, and how do we learn so quickly? You know, I got to tell you, I feel like everyone pivoted. The minute they said we're going to be working from home, the minute we said we're all going to have to pick up and move to a different location where we're not going to be face-to-face, and then here are the new technology tools that you have to have meetings face-to-face. I had only had a few Zoom meetings before before the pandemic hit, and now I'm, you know, some days I have six every day. It's unbelievable, Matt. I was thinking, look at all the companies being bought and sold. And before, at least you wanted to go see or have some sort of, you could do a lot of them virtually, but you always, and there's companies literally being bought and sold that there's not even a trip being done now. And I think that look at e-commerce. So if you look 18 months ago to today, we've moved five years. Yeah. In a matter of 18 months. And if you look at the adoption of, I think I've told you this offline at some point, I never in a million years was going to buy my groceries and have them delivered to my house. Right, right. You know, I I was never going to do that. And look at, (laughs) I buy my groceries and have them delivered by Instacart. I, Costco, I want to be in Costco because it's an experience. There's always something new, different, fresh. And now I have Costco delivering to me. And I think that not that you're not going to want to go in there and still get those experiences, but I think it's different. And I think that, that that's across the board. And I think the embracing of e-commerce sales happen at such a rapid pace. Some were more prepared than others. Right. And others I watch are catching up quickly, but I think that that has been one of the biggest changes in any business is what's happened with e-commerce across the board in the last 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, one of the things that, that sticks out to me with that, uh, especially is, is the idea of we needed the tools to be able to, um, do this stuff remotely. I mean, before then, if you had your groceries delivered, you were probably a shut in or some sort of, you know, maybe some health issues or something. Um, but, uh, but, but when it, uh, the pandemic hit, Everybody needed to be able to communicate to continue to do business. You needed a microphone and a camera and a good pair of headphones and and all those things. But you're absolutely right. I don't I don't see that slowing down. I see it only as a more robust tool. Yeah. Those industries are continuing to be developed so that they continue to, can continue to be more mobile and 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 ride that wave. You know, I, and I, I got to hand it to them. The people who are making those sorts of things, us included with, you know, things like uh, true wireless headphones and those things that are just great for those applications um, or, you know, being at home, um, you know, you have to strike while the iron is hot and you're providing a solution. There's not a lot of marketing that comes out that says, you know, please buy this because it, you know, it's wonderful to change your life or whatever. These were, these are real solutions. I want a better quality experience, you know? So a lot of these, these companies came out with that. But I do think that during the the whole COVID experience, we all learned new ways to communicate and we all learned new technologies almost on a dime. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and I think that that's where, that's, that's where you're going to win. I think that's where the opportunity lies is to take advantage of that and not try to run from that. And some people 
have still not quite zagged. And I think that that's where a lot of people can, can make a difference by seeing where in the end, your customer, where the end user, where the people are going, you need to be there. And that could be how you're marketing, whatever insurance company or whatever you're doing, uh, you need to be where the people are looking and are at. And I think that's the investment and that's, that's really the opportunity and more and more business is going to be constructed that way. There's no doubt about it. Fertile ground for sure. I remember the first, um, the first time we had an international language website that um, suddenly the rest of the world became aware and we became aware of the rest of the world. And I think during this time, because we're communicating directly as before, you know, you could buy stuff online or whatever, but I love the idea of speaking to people where they are and how they're, how they're doing business now. I just think back of all those people who weren't prepared for that pivot and that challenge when it happened and how many tone deaf ads we saw right after it, where you're just like, it's social distancing, but you're showing entire crowds of people or you're showing this or whatever. And they just didn't have the time to pivot or thought that, that it was going to be a blip on the radar and not a paradigm shift. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, I was, I, I had a call recently. Yes. Actually today I, I had a call earlier today and I had one last week with a guy that owns a bike company and he's got a great story and they're actually built in the U S and I was looking and he had some questions for me to, to help him guide where he's going. And if you think about what's happening in the urban cities and what's going to happen globally, where it's going to be electric bikes, it's going to be electric scooters. Mm -hmm. And in 2026, the global electronic bike business is going to be over $46 billion. Wow. If you think about, look at that. So like he's, he's, he's on top of it. He's, he's building, you know, I think it's a, a best in class and I think it's going to be a huge success for him. But there's these markets that are happening and, and he's out in front of it and he's getting innovative and he's finding ways to do things here built in the USA. And uh, it's just amazing that there's people out there looking at some of these things that are just ahead of everyone else. And I guess I would ask all the listeners, what else is out there? What are you doing? What do you see? And are you going to maximize whatever that is in your piece and what you're going to be a part of? Because I think that right now the opportunity is right in front of us to take advantage of. And I think you got to figure out what you're going to do, what your passion is and go maximize your opportunity. And it doesn't have to be a $47 billion company. It can be whatever that is. I think right now it's life is short. It, we have went through so much over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Who knows what tomorrow brings? And I think it's just a, an amazing time to take advantage of the opportunity in front of you and maximize it like never before. And I think that, you know, that's what that's what I'm thinking about every day. I think that's what I like to talk about. And I think everyone should be looking around and just maximizing what passion they want to be behind and go forward with. Oh, I love that. I love framing it up like that too. You know, um, last night I had was sitting around, uh, sitting on the couch, and I had, had a glass of wine, and then I decided to put some thoughts down on a little uh, on a note, and I sent you that note last night. Um, yes, you did. Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> and it, it's it's a it's a little more wordy than a haiku, but not much. I love it. Can I can I read this? Yeah, you? yeah. Would you? That'd be great. Dream it into existence. Will it to become reality, drive it to success, share it with the universe, protect the vision forever, repeat. I think that is 
very, very strong. And I was, it, it kind of, of course, I, I loved it as soon as I saw it. And I, I think that is a very powerful statement, mission, and something to live by. Well, I appreciate that. I was just, I was thinking about this, this podcast and, and about the positivity that we want to um, instill in people and let them know that, that there's lots of opportunities. There's lots of reasons to be hopeful for things. Um, but a lot of it involves you as a person setting these goals and, and putting your back into it, putting your mind into it, and then surrounding yourself with the people that are going to help you with that goal. Everything we've talked about from the, from the team sports at the very beginning to your relationships all going all the way through, um, that through line to me is you're building the team of trusted individuals that can go through this with you, but also always looking for the opportunities, um, and not the excuses. You're you're exactly right. I'll tell you what, it's, it's every day. What I tell the team is we're taking the hill and that means we're arm in arm. And some days, some people are going to have worse days than others, but guess what? We're arm in arm. We help each other up and we take the hill. And I think the, the most important part is in all of this. And with what, what Matt said that I read, what I said a little bit ago is, and you never give up. You never give up because not every day is going to be perfect. Not everything you go after Mm -hmm. is going to work. But you get up and you try again and you try again. And I think that that's what winners do. That's what leaders do. That's what everyone is doing that is succeeding is they never give up. I bet this double album you're doing didn't happen overnight. I bet there was false starts. I bet there was times that you were ready to just throw it out and give up. (laughs) But you never gave up because you knew that was what you were going to get done. My favorite song on the album to, to that point is the one that I thought I was going to have to throw away. Um, when we recorded it, I, th- I thought, well, this is pretty rough and I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do with this. But over time, studying the problem and realizing what it needed, it's a, it ended up being a, a beautiful song and I'm very happy with it. But I think that song means more to me because it costs more um, sweat equity to, to bring to fruition. And at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, we rescued that one from just not even making it on the album. And it's my favorite one because of that. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Andrew, I think that you've, you've had those moments. I mean, look, you've had a successful podcast, you've had a successful creative career, and I guarantee you that there was moments where maybe you came to the edge there where it would have been easy to just give up and you didn't. Yeah, I mean, there's countless times in this industry um, where you're you're trying different things. And I've worked at a few different jobs or in industries that have just been completely different. And the transition between like going from my first job to second job to this and like never having touched, you know, consumer electronics and this kind of, you know, world. It's funny that you just take those core things that you've worked on for all these years and design and advertising and how to grab people's attention and, right. you know, bring people together. And I think all those core things you have to go back to and remember that those are how you've kind of built your career and how you've gotten to where you are. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the food industry or the, you know, travel RV industry with, you know, my past clients or, um, you know, product photography. It, it all just adds up to the this penultimate at the end that you're trying to get to. And you, it's just those core values that you kind of build for yourself and those goals, like you said, that you, whether they're small or large, you kind of just set, you know, milestones and try to hit those things. And sometimes you don't hit them. And that's, I mean, you just got to learn from how you kind of built that up and um, where the successes are and continue to kind of dig forward and kind of keep moving. Um, And that's a hard thing in this industry. I, I mean, I remember coming out of, 
college in 08, 09 when the market crashed and the professor was saying like, you will likely not get a job, let alone one in this industry. And it was, then they just said, good luck and get out there. <laughs> and I was the only person that got a job out of school for the first, you know, couple of years. Um, I, I think I got my job a couple of years before I got a job offer a couple of weeks before graduation, but I don't think I saw another classmate get a job in the industry for at least two years after that. Um, and, uh, only maybe one of those people is still in the industry today, you know, t- you know, 12 wow. years later. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff. And I think growing and I mean, the market's only gone up in my career, so it's kind of a tough, there's been a couple, you know, stagnant moments and it's kind of hard to not look back at that and be like, wow, I, you know, you got through all this and you came, you know, above all those challenges to get to this industry because you wanted it so bad. Um, I've been wanting to do this for, since I was two, I wanted to be an artist or whatever that meant. And it wasn't until (laughs) high school, I thought, oh, this is actually a career you can get into. Right. You can actually do. Um, so I, you know, I cherish the people that were in my life and the, you know, teachers and professors I ran into that kind of gave me that idea that you can get to this, you know, this platform and you can get to, you know, these different milestones and all these different career paths. And it's only gotten bigger since with all the different types of avenues you can go down for advertising and marketing and, you know, sales. So love it. I love being around these two guys. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've been around a lot of people. I'll tell you, there's not two more creative individuals that I've been around. And and I'll tell you with Mr. Summers, uh, we have had a lot of fun <laughs> building, building some amazing meetings. We're getting ready to work on, I don't know how many it'll be in a row, but we, and it's better every year. Yeah. It's better every year. And it's, it, you know, we bring the excitement and the fun. I think that whatever you're doing, you got to bring the excitement and the fun because we're doing all this. Yes. You want to make money and that's the fruit of it but you want to have fun. You, the passion Andrew just talked about, all of you heard it in his voice. This is what he loves. He's able to do what he loves and he's doing it with these products that we're talking about here, but it doesn't, that doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. He's doing what he loves and he can do that with anything. And I really question and, and ask everyone, are you doing what you love? Cause I love to sell and market whatever it happens to be. It's obvious. I'm very passionate yeah. about Klipsch and I will never go sell another speaker brand cause I love Klipsch. And I'll go sell other things. And I I just think that you really, that's a check at the box. And when you get to that door, are you doing something? Are you having fun? Are you creating the excitement and, and bringing that passion and love? And and that's, that's what it's all about because time is so short. And I think that I love when me and you start talking about the yearly sales meeting because we start amping up yep. the fun and excitement. And I feel like that sets the stage for the rest of the year. And it's contagious. You're, you're absolutely right. For the rest of the year. And while we're moving in lockstep with, with these events, I think a lot of the stuff is that what is being presented at the events that we have and while we're uh, building the content for this um, – to me, I just get more excited about it. It's like, well, let's have a ne- the next meeting is going to be that one percent more exciting. That one percent. Right. So I, I like your one percent comment. I think it's, I just keep up in the ante each that's, time. That's it. And it's funny. And, and what's funny is, you know, you get these people that call your text or whatever, and they aren't a part of any of this, <laughs> but they're like, they can't wait. Yeah, and fired it's, up. I think that you know, you know, with all these challenges and all these things that are happening, I think you got to create an environment where everybody wants to touch the ball. You want your you want to you want to create that ball in the middle that everyone wants to touch your customers, 
your vendors, your team, your, yep. your, your everybody. You don't and want to be outside. You don't. And I think that, that that's what we do best. I think that I wake up every day excited for the day and excited regardless if I have meetings I don't want to be in, which we talked earlier. I would love to have less 30-minute meetings. It seems like I'm on way too many meetings. I feel like people love to have meetings. I wish <laughs> in 10 minutes I could get probably done what needs to be done, but there's way too many meetings and we got to figure that out. But I, I think that I look forward to seeing people on Zoom. I, I'm seeing Andrew now. We're doing this uh, for the first time, by the way, on video, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm here with, with Matt. Um, and I look forward to doing whatever the day brings and whatever opportunities come, let's go seize it. And I just wake up with that kind of fire and energy. And I think that what's great about what we do is we have the opportunity to change people's lives. And we bring live entertainment into people's homes and the people's ears. And we also do more than that because I believe in a weird way, just the energy we bring to what we talk about mm -hmm. changes their life before they even hear the product or the fruit of what they're we getting do. excited uh, about we, it in general. We build that LTL, that larger than life feeling, and people want to be a part of it. And I think that we have an amazing team that does that. And I think anyone can really do that if they want to put the time and energy into it. Absolutely. And I think that, that the enthusiasm is contagious. Um, I think that when we like to make products and we love what we're making and people, you know, we talk to just our family about it, you know, you can't wait to show you this thing that's coming out because we know the enjoyment that they will get from it. And the people that buy our products or the people that use our products, um, that enjoyment is that's the that's the payment that's the payoff of, of of what we do you know not not uh oh i bought something cool that i can show off to the neighbors or right. as a status symbol it's that enjoyment factor that you're getting out of this and that it changes your life and your mood i love that part the mood lifting uh, portion of it as well um one thing i'm thinking that we probably should address on on this um now that we're kind of winding down out of time is since we're talking about challenges and we always try to throw in a philanthropy um, that we want to do a shout out and maybe uh, bring some uh, awareness to a specific uh, philanthropy or charity. Um, we know some uh, specific charity that has a lot of its members uh, have very, very deep challenges. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I think this this podcast, I really want to make a shout out to uh, to make a wish. Uh, our company specifically has, has raised, you know, well over $150,000 over the last few years. And I think it's a great cause and I was just a couple of weeks ago down San Antonio for an event and the room raised over $170,000. Wow. Uh, we absolutely pitched into that. Uh, and it was a, a young man uh, that is just going, he's going through hell mm. and he's fighting for his life. And to see someone come into a room that is at that level of their life that they are just fighting to breathe every day and to just stay alive and to watch a wish come through to see that smile, to see that energy, and to see his family weeping uh, around him in the room, really getting that uh, to that level as well. Mm. Uh, we all were shedding tears. Uh, Jill Eskel happened to be with me there, who, who runs our uh, runs our marketing here for the brand, um, and and we gave more at that moment. They needed an extra bit to hit the goal for this family, and we were able to reach in. And do that, and it was 
uh, a real honor to be a part of that moment. Hmm. And uh, we were the last people to give to get to that level. And, and, and it was the right cause. And I think it's great that this company has really put an emphasis around it. I think Make-A-Wish, yes, it's big and yes, it's everywhere. But I think when you see these kids that have these wishes that don't have the life that all of us are going to be able to live and enjoy, it made it that much better to see it in person. And so wow. I think uh, if you have it, I recommend there's there's local Make-A-Wish in all of your areas. They, there's regional ones that you can give. And I recommend you get involved and you be a part because to watch these kids who are unfortunately not going to live uh, the life all of them would probably want to live and they're going through so much. Uh, it is great to see their wish get granted. And we've gotten to do many of those as this company. And I think it's something we'll do for many more years. So that that is who I want to give a shout out to was make a wish. Fantastic. And you can find out more at makeawish.org um, to find your local chapter of make a wish. Uh, and it, like Tommy said, if you if you are so inclined and you have it, um, you know, please give to the that organization and do some some real good in the world for some people who need it. Well, I want to thank uh, I want to thank you, Matt. Um, I want to thank you, Andrew. This is this has been a, a great time together, a great podcast. Um, and again, you can find our podcast. Uh, I don't know Spotify. Um, iTunes at the Apple store. Yeah. All yeah, those anywhere. places. Any, anywhere quality podcast, quality podcasts could be found. <laughs> I got to tell you, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and there's some really great ones and there's some snoozers out there. This is not going to be a snoozer. Uh, <laughs> go find our podcast where any uh, quality podcast can be found. Uh, again, you have been listening to closers over coffee. I'm Tommy Jacobs. <laughs>